37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another riveting episode of Pixelated Paranormal. This is episode 297. I, of course, am Sean, and I finally found it, the NECA creature from the Black Lagoon. Super stoked about that. Fucking nerd. <laughs> and I also, uh, speaking of nerdism, got a brand new Space Invader tattoo on my bicep to go on my video game sleeve. And with that being said, with me as always is Preston. Presto, buddy, how are you, sir? What's up, all you cool ghosts and goblins, you crocodiles and crocodingos, you skeletors and skeletons? Um, I'm doing all right, you know. Laid some carpet the other day on my son. I'm old, so my back hurts, my legs hurt. Did you ever see the movie Basketball? Yes. Okay. So that yeah. saying has a whole different connotation, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <sighs> uh, hell yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, you just about got his room finished, or is it finished? No, it's finished. So Nice. Very cool. He's next door probably like, Dad, I can hear you podcast and I'm trying to sleep. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about animals that don't belong, getting back to the cryptids, especially those found in Congos, with a keen focus on potential dinosaurs. But before we get started, Preston, I cut you off with all that. Do you have anything else to say? No, dude, I'm fucking old. My feet, my back hurt, Good. my knees hurt. <laughs> dude, I can't be doing this shit anymore. Fucking Very arthritis, nice. You man. can't be doing what? Laying carpet or podcasting? Uh, probably both, dude. <laughs> I don't. So <laughs> I left this morning. Like I got up, I was so fucking worn out and tired. I got up to go take Wee Man to school and got in the car. Got halfway down the road. And I'm like, fuck, I can't see. Like, why the fuck is everything blurry? And I'm like, oh yeah. Cause I left my fucking glasses on the coffee table, uh, but at work God, in my in, in my drawer I left uh, some contacts. So then I put my contacts in, and I haven't taken them out. But my computer screen is just at the right distance that I need those fucking bifocals that I have in my glasses. So, like, <laughs> I had to enlarge the text on the dock just to be able to read. I'm like, fuck you, Sean. Why'd you make my text so small? And I'm just like, oh, it's because I don't have my bifocals on. Wow. Impressive, man. That's all right, dude. I caught myself reading under my glasses the other day, so that just means I'm right behind you and I'll be having old man glasses myself. Okay, so back to it. We're going to be talking about animals that don't belong. Lazarus, you nailed it. We're going to be talking about Mokele Mbembe, the dinosaur of the Congo, as well as some other interesting creatures that just shouldn't be there, but might just be. And to kick things off, I got a couple fun stories about animals and cryptids that probably shouldn't be where they're found either. Uh, first, a farmer in southern Australia captured an animal considered locally extinct for over a century while he was trying to protect his chickens. So apparently Frank Pao Ling Sai, a trout farmer in Beachport, South Australia, heard a panic coming from his chicken coop, rushed outside to see what it was early in the morning back on Tuesday, September 26th. And inside the coop, Sai found a spotted creature and a dead chicken. He went on to say that he had no idea what it was. He expected to find a cat, but found this little animal instead. Its furry brown body, long tail, and smattering of white spots 
made it appear to be some sort of long-extinct cryptid. Psy captured the creature in a plastic chicken cage, and he took photos and shared them in hopes of identifying the animal. Wildlife officials identified the animal as a spotted-tail quoll. The National Parks and Wildlife Service of South Australia told the news that this creature is about the size of a cat, yet it's a marsupial with a cat-like shape but stronger jaws and a lot longer canine teeth. Kind of like that Tasmanian tiger you were talking about a while back. The spotted tail quoll, also known as the tiger quoll, is an endangered quoll species of the largest native carnivore left in Australia's mainland, according to the Australian Conservation Foundation. There's an estimated 14,000 spotted quolls left in the wild... And the last officially documented site of a spotted-tailed quoll in South Australia was back in the 1880s. So this thing's been thought to have been extinct in the area for 130 years. Australia can go get fucked. So I was, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was up late the other night and uh, I was on uh, TikTok watching videos, mm-hmm. trying to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. There's this guy on there, I don't remember his name, but. <clears throat> He does dumb shit like he'll go get a, like a, uh, a a black widow spider and put it on his arm and force it to bite him, and so he can react to like the venom and shit. And then like he did where he uh, shoved his hand in a container full of like ten wasp and was just like, oh my god, this is the worst fucking pain I've ever been in my whole entire life. And then he's done scorp. I mean everything, scorpions. I mean any insect known to man that can physically sting you and bite mm-hmm. you that's poisonous. This guy lets yeah, I love that show. Yeah, bite him. He's like, ah, oh, God, it hurts. So he's like, all right, gang, I'm over in the Australian outback, and here's this plant, the you know, the bim bomb, bim bomb, and uh, it's just the world's most deadliest plant. I'm gonna go ahead and rub it up against my arm, and it's got these mm-hmm. little tendrils that basically latch onto your skin, injects venom, and it's supposed to be the worst pain in the whole entire world. So he takes this giant fucking leaf that's like this, and he's just sitting there like, ugh. Uh, just rubbing up against his arm. <laughs> and next thing you know, it looks like somebody set his arm on fire. Like, it's, like, blistering up. But he's like, Jesus, cut it off, cut it off. So he's giving you history of this plant. Th- this plant is so toxic and so venomous that when uh, the criminals got exiled to the island and they accidentally stumbled upon this plant and maybe fell into it, and got it stuck on their head. The pain was so severe that a lot of them just took a gun and blew the brains out because they're like, you, you don't, yeah, you don't want to deal with this. And I'm just like, that's the, like, so you have sp- spiders the size of like small kittens um, that are poisonous. Mm-hmm. You have snakes out the wazoo that are poisonous. You have this fucking mm-hmm. thing that you just talked about. You have the Tasmanian tiger, and you have the world's most dangerous venomous plant that makes you basically just want to blow your brains out because the pain's so bad. Australia, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no thank you. All right, Mike? I thought I had it rough, man. I think I'm allergic to juniper, so if I rub up against a juniper bush, I get hives. But, dude, well, this let's not, let's not. Yeah, let's not send your ass to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Australians are calling this a once-in-a-lifetime event, and they say it's amazing to have something we thought was extinct turning up at our back door. The qual Sai originally captured managed to escape out a damaged corner of the cage, which, you know, that's pretty convenient, although he did get photos, so we're going to give him credit anyway. This could temporarily be the discovery of a relic population. 
So they took some DNA to see if they could get the general origins of where the creature came from and exactly how old it might have been. Mm. Fantastic stuff, man. See, I like that. Again, cryptids. They could be Bigfoot. They could be squatted uh, quals. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned snakes, Presto, because my next story is one that's going to give all of us the heebie-jeebies. I'm here to make your job easier. (laughs) An expert was recently hired to get rid of a snake that was slithering around a South Oklahoma City mobile home park where they discovered a 13-foot python slithering... (laughs) That's a tough one. Slithering through the neighborhood for about five months. Trevor Bounds of Red Beard Wildlife Control said... We're talking this thing has been eating possums, foot-long rats, and cats. The mouth on this thing is the size of your foot, and when it opens up its mouth, it's going to be able to fit something pretty large in there. The staff at the mobile home park had previously told residents to be on the lookout throughout that week, and they'd be, quote, taking care of the problem soon. A picture of the snake was then sent out by staff with a warning for residents to be on the lookout in case they saw it around the neighborhood. Experts say that more than likely the snake, of course, was a pet that either got loose or the owner must have let it out. Trevor went on to say the constricting is what can be the dangerous part. You can't have small children or pets going near this thing. That's why they should have been tackled sooner. Things could have gotten much worse. Now, the Redbeard Wildlife Control was hired and started a checkout for the snake last week, which apparently had been seen slinking around the area since fucking June and been surviving healthily since then. Now, initially, they realized they had a problem when people started noticing that their cats in the neighborhood had started disappearing. They finally found it by using thermal cameras, because this, of course, is a cold-blooded creature, and so they just had to turn on the camera and look for the outline. Trevor went on to say the snake is an albino reticulated python, which is one of the world's most largest species of snakes, and apparently... It had crawled and survived underneath one particular home. Trevor said, When we looked underneath the floor at the home it created, that's when we started seeing a bunch of carcasses of larger animals. I can imagine that each one of those cats put up a nasty fight. So, when it's been attacked that many times, for that extent, the nice, non-aggressive pet snake we once knew is no longer. Now this thing is dangerous, and I'd like to say it's probably fucking pissed off. Dude, this thing's here to fucking fuck things up. It's here to fight. It's Buck, and it came here to fuck. Yeah, shit. <laughs> Life or death. Now, to man. add insult to injury, <laughs> to add insult to injury, Bryant Elementary School is right next to the mobile home with a large portion of the land of the school not being protected by gates or fences. So, I mean, again, giant python on the playground during recess. Oh, boy. Trevor goes on to say that he created a trap around the home and has a 24-hour live feed watching it at all times. So as soon as the thing makes a move, the camera should alert his phone and then he'll be able to get out there and take care of it. The park staff told me to do whatever I can to take care of the problem and they were very adamant about about getting the python out of the neighborhood. So in uh, Florida right now, the Mm -hmm. Burmese reticulated python is um, a very invasive species and like in the Florida Everglades they're all over the place it was last year year before last they caught and killed a 225 pound female that was on a clutch of eggs um, and it was one Jesus. of the they didn't think like 
because of the, you know like their native jungle where they're at it's very hard to find the females and so they didn't realize how big they could get but it's kind of like uh the uh, you know hippo story um from uh, Colombia uh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't think hippos would fuck that much, but we put them in a nice place where the temp's cool and they got lots of water. And then, like, all of a sudden, you got hippos all over the place, and they're just like, "Oops, Florida is the actual perfect breeding ground for these giant fucking snakes that are now mm-hmm. like they pulled like de- like parts of adult deer out of its stomach. Like this thing could basically take down and slowly munch on an adult deer." And uh, they're wow, like, oh, man, yeah, man, <clears throat> you know, it's OK for pe- you know what? Just go ahead. Be a responsible <laughs> pet owner. And if it gets too yeah. big, it's fine. We'll figure it out. Well, I don't think we mentioned it in the news segments back in July, but apparently, Presto, in your backyard, they discovered a 15 foot python slithering around Andover which is just about 20 minutes east of me and pretty much like right square in your yard. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you know, the local police department had to call the Animal and Wildlife Removal Company locally to get rid of that thing, too. And apparently they did discover it, and it has been taken care of. But holy shit, people, do something responsible with your pets. That's yeah, because m- Mother, like, living out in the country, Mother Nature's already given me enough to deal with. I had, like... Water moccasins, which are like a poisonous snake. I had that in the fucking duck coop the other day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of like shit around here that can kill us that's living out in the wilds. And, you know, you're, you fucking irresponsible assholes with your pet pythons. Well, that's another thing, too. There's that guy on TikTok that's like, look at me. I live in my mom's basement. And I got every single poisonous snake known to man that I ordered off the internet in some, you know, black Chinese market. And,. Uh, you know, I put it in Tupperware containers and oops a daisy, the snake got out the other day and scared my mama. <laughs> this is why we have these news stories, because the people like you, buddy, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, you don't need a fucking, like, albino, black mamba, king cobra, whoop-dee-doop-dee, like, stop it. Mm-hmm, stop. Mm-hmm. You're not a scientist, all right? You're a dude living in your mom's <laughs> basement. You don't need poisonous snakes, okay? Find another hobby. That's all I'm saying. Right. Well, dude, a couple uh, months ago, well, hell, it's probably been a couple years ago, Shayla sent me a text message, and we had a little garter snake in our bathroom um, slithering up the wall between the wall and the baseboard that goes around the door. Oh. And she actually got a picture of it because she was uh, sitting on the commode and happened to glance over and see this thing just slowly kind of making its way up. So she was terrified. I thought it was kind of funny, but also like, oh, shit, man, there's snakes in the house. These motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. (laughs) Right. Mm. Well, we're getting back to Preston's book, The Borderlands, and this time we're looking at more animals that don't belong, and we're going to be focusing on dinosaurs or something thereof. Preston, why don't you take it away on this episode? I mean, maybe dinosaurs. I'd also keep Mm. in mind that after we talk about this, like this could have been the whole, remember Albrecht Durer's Rhino that we talked about in art school? Mm, mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, could be something similar to that where Mm -hmm. just misidentification. But I'm hoping, praying, I'm wishing that it's the dinosaur. Mm. Or the Loch Ness Monster. No, fuck that thing. In a world (laughs) where dinosaurs have apparently, the Loch Ness Monster in Australia can go both go get fucked together. Okay, how about that? In a world 
where dinosaurs have apparently mastered the art of hide-and-seek, we find ourselves captivated by the tales of lost worlds and prehistoric creatures. Picture this. Deep in the rainforest, right on the equator, there are reports of whole colonies of dinosaurs still hanging out, doing dinosaur shit, and no, this is not mm-hmm. the plot to the next Jurassic Park movie. This is real life, folks. It's happening. <laughs> The adventure begins with some curious native rock drawings depicting long-necked animals. And if that wasn't enough, a French priest named the Abbey Poyart stumbled upon a three-foot-wide claw footmark seven feet apart during his uh, journey through the Gabon. Fast forward to 1913, when a German expedition ventured into the Congo and stumbled upon the Lakula La area. They were greeted by locals who came to them with the reports of a strange, unbelievable creature, roughly the size of an elephant or a large hippopotamus, with smooth, brownish-gray skin, a long, flexible neck, and a gaping mouth that had only one tooth. And some reports even claimed maybe a horn. This wonky-looking beast inhabited the water uh, bed areas that welded, uh, that welded together, forming the large rivers, and the local pygmies called this mysterious creature Mokele Mbebe. Close. Whatever. Mbimbe. Mbimbe. <laughs> Mokele my baby. Mokele my baby. So, oh, Mokele my baby um, is this long-necked dinosaur-type creature that's been seen way back in the early 1900s by local pygmies. After the war, reports of monster sightings in the Belgian Congo flooded in. Unfortunately, most turned out to be hoaxes. However, the excitement didn't end there. Stories started circulating about a hippopotamus-eating amphibious monster lurking around Lake Bangwilu in North Rhodesia. Yeah, that's right, Loch Ness Monster. This fucking African version ate hippopotamus. What did you do? Nothing. Uh. <laughs> Who knew that these big old beasties had such a fearsome appetite? Now, let's introduce our hero, James Powell, a Texan herpetologist, and his trusty trusty sidekick, Roy McCall, a Chicago biochemist. They embarked on a cryptozoological expedition into the Congo in 1979, assuming since it was the late 70s it was probably like cocaine and LSD fueled, you know, because he was a biochemist. Yeah, Yeah, dude. They were fucking token it up anyways they were armed with tales from uh, the fang people of gabon about a creature called ramala this creature they were told resembled the long neck sauropod diplodocus and get this it survived on local vegetables called jungle jungle chocolate move over <laughs> willy wonka with their hopes held high pal and mccall ventured deep into the jungle hoping to gather more reports um, investigate the swamps and maybe even snap a selfie with the Mokele Mumbebe or another dinosaurian cryptid called <laughs> Niamila. They suspected that these reports might be referring to the same creature. Talk about a dino sized mystery. Call in Scooby Doo and the gang, people. I think the mystery is why I love how you call it <laughs> my baby so much. My, my baby. <laughs> 
also, the Niamala is an animal with a long neck and a long tail, also being identified as another sauropod or plesiosaurus. It's about 10 meters long from the tip of the snout to the tip of the tail, and it weighs as much as an elephant. It's reputed to be as long as a caterpillar tractor, and it's also reputed to have fillets, thread-like filaments on the back of its neck and the back of its head, in which a pair of pouches are kind of like, you know, inserted in its neck, where it's said to be able to hold on to nuts and fruits and stuff like that. So imagine like a brontosaurus that has like a built-in, you know, sack around its neck, and it can kind of just reach back there and just eat whatever it wants, you know, a handful of gummy bears or some blueberries or whatever. And this bad boy is said to have footprints as big as frying pans. Frying pans, fillets. I think somebody had cooking in mind when they wrote this uh... <laughs> Eat it. Someone's writing this story while they're camping, cooking fish. But also, can you imagine the patience you have to have back then? You know, not to mention the bottomless pocketbook, just to wake up one day, say, Preston, hey, do you want to take a break from being a biochemist and come with me? And we're just going to go out and hunt dinosaurs for like the next fucking three months because, you know, it's just fun to go monster hunting. Fuck yeah, man. Here's the catch. Finding these elusive creatures was like finding a needle in a haystack. With thousands of miles of... uh, steaming jungle to explore Macau and Pal had to play detective. They hypothesized that these dinosaurs were either on the brink of extinction or had become masters of hide-and-seek, avoiding pesky humans like a pro. <clears throat> Maybe they got tips from Bigfoot. I don't know. Their search led them to uh, Lakula Ox Herbis River, Lake Tile, the Umbenge River, and Lake Tabique. These places became their dino hotspots, their Jurassic Park, if you will. They had also managed to gather a bunch of new eyewitness accounts of monsters or dinosaur sightings. One of the most epic tales come from a colonialist hunter named Nicholas Mondongo, who was just a teenager when he had his unforgettable encounter on the banks of the Lakula Ox Herbis, bright and early in the 1960s. So getting your way back machine fine tune picture this on the screen he was out hunting for monkeys when out of nowhere a massive creature emerged from the river only 13 yards away from him the river waters were cascading down its shoulders as it rose making it quite mm-hmm. the spectacle now here's the kicker the river was only three feet deep at that spot so Mondongo got a ridiculously good look at this monster it had a head and a neck that were six feet long and as thick as a man's thigh and topped with a frill like that of a rooster. It had four sturdy legs and a long tail uh, and a tail longer than its neck. According to the hunter's estimation, this beast was about 30 feet long. He watched it in awe for about three minutes before it vanished back into the river. Another mind-blowing story uh, shared by Pascal Motika, a native of one of the river villages near Lake Tile, Motika revealed that the people once tried to stop a group of uh, Mokele Mimbebe uh, from entering the lake and dis- uh, disrupting their fishing by building a barrier of stakes across one of the uh, seven streams that connected Tile to the l- local river systems. When one of the creatures tried to break through the barrier, the pygmies managed to spear it to death. Fuck yeah! That's what I like. Mm. Unfortunately, instead of preserving the giant corpse for scientific study, fuck yeah, they decided to have a feast and devour the creature because, you know, mm-hmm. why not? They, Which is risky 
because you know the people in Colombia when they like fried up the hippos like the hippo hippo meat has like meningitis or something so like when they were eating the hippo yeah, burgers yeah. yeah they all died mm-hmm. like I, that might have been a that might have been a bad gamble right there you guys guys could have brought on like the new plague or something right there from eating this fucking dinosaur mm-hmm. anyways as luck would have it uh, everyone who ate the, oh yeah I should have read a little bit further on. I forgot my own notes because it's been a while since I wrote it. Yeah, fuck them. They shouldn't have ate it because uh, they met their demise. Talk about a deadly meal. Yep, they brought the plague on themselves. If there's anything we've learned about this show, people, it's when you have a creature not native to your area or it's something out of the ordinary like hippos in Colombia, do not fucking eat it. Don't touch it. It's mm-hmm. not chicken. It's not healthy for you. You die. Yep. Yeah, I think that this goes to say that, you know, don't put your wiener in it and don't put it in your mouth. Two mm. really strong rules to live by. Yeah, or don't put its wiener in your mouth. Yeah, because it'll try to eat you. See, it's yeah. kind of like the circle of life here in a weird zigzag kind of pattern. Um, and to your credit, Preston, you did write this like five weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a hot minute, so. Because we were like, we're going to uh, do this what? show? No, I'm sick. You're going to do this show? No, I'm tired. You're going to do this show? Fuck it, let's do news. And we, we're going to do the yep. show tonight. I ain't got nothing else. So. All right. I added my notes. I haven't read it in five weeks. so I don't Yeah, blow the dust like, off of it. Yeah. Shit. Well, putting together all these accounts, it turns out the local Congolese folks are pretty convinced that the Mokele Mbembe is a real and ginormous creature, although sightings are sometimes as rare as a unicorn. They describe the creature in total as being a reddish-brown in color, a long neck, topped by a small reptilian head, a thick body, and a long whip-like tail. According to them, this mysterious creature hangs out in deep pools along riverbanks and usually makes its appearance in the early morning or late afternoon, especially during the dry seasons. And when it does eventually venture onto land, it leaves behind some massive clawed footprints. Oh, and also another fun fact, the creature is as silent as a ninja. But if you dare provoke it, it can unleash its fury by flipping your canoe, dunking you into the water, and then smacking you with the powerful tail. Whack. Bam. Now, let's talk Mm -hmm. about the brave explorers who ventured into the Lakula swamps. Not only did they encounter turtles, pythons, and crocodiles, but they also managed to capture sound recordings, plaster cast footprints, and even samples of possible dinosaur droppings. Dedication, people. Picking up that massive poop. However, (laughs) one of the explorers, Marcellin Anginija, Anginagana, I don't know, whatever. And Kaylee Mumbay, my baby. Whatever, <laughs> had particularly excited had an, a particularly exciting exciting sighting on Lake Tile. He described seeing a creature with a long black hump behind its neck, definitely a reptile, but not your typical crocodile, python, or freshwater turtle. Unfortunately, his camera decided to go on strike at that exact moment, so no photographic evidence was obtained. Bummer. Damn. It's like mm-hmm. Bigfoot, man. Can never get a photo. Despite (laughs) numerous expeditions and treks through the swamps in search of the living dinosaur, little additional evidence emerged. Some skeptics have argued that the sightings could be misidentification of forest elephants uh, crossing lakes and rivers with their trunks raised. 
I think that, that that's probably akin to the really lame excuse when somebody was trying to debunk the Lost Next Monster. They're like, there's a special turtle that lives in the nest that, uh, you know, when it puts its head out of its shell, its head's about 10 mm-hmm. feet long, and that is what people got confused. And then there's also this whale that likes to sleep upside down, and he basically gets, you know, a night erection. And what you're really seeing, folks, is a giant erect whale penis in the nest. Mm-hmm. Get, get the fuck out of here with that, all right? <laughs> you're just seeing a whale's morning wood poking up out of the water. Okay, now, I could believe that mm-hmm. if this came from, like, the only reports ever of this creature where when a bunch of non-native people went to that area who were not used to the the wildlife in the surrounding area, and they're just like, oh, my God, what's that? I've never seen anything like that. I've never even been in a jungle before, and I'm so scared. Look at that. It's like a goddamn <laughs> dinosaur. And that was the only report. I get it. But a lot of these accounts are coming from people that have grown up in that area, and that area has been populated by tribes that have been there for generations, so they know what the fuck they're dealing with. They know what a fucking forest elephant looks like. They know what a fucking tiger, you know, like a lion looks like. Um, You know, they have, like, special shit that they have to do when they want to get them pissed in the middle of the night because a fucking warthog can, like, come through the area and fucking tear their shit apart, like, they're prepared. This is this is their home. This is where they live. They're not confusing a fucking forest elephant for a goddamn dinosaur. <laughs> the Loch Ness monster is not an erect whale penis because he's like fucking having a dr- wet dream in the middle of the night. Get over it, science. You know, <sighs> I think that every dream a whale has is probably a wet dream. You think so? They're in the ocean. Do you think they have a wet dream ba-da, about? Ba-da, ba-da. Do you think they have a wet dream about having a dry dream? Like you know, they just wish that they Ooh. weren't wet, and that's what gets them Maybe. off. Maybe I don't know. These They're are like, questions that keep I wish, awake at I night, wish this they? dick, this whale dick, wasn't so lubed. I wish it was dry like sandpaper. My whole entire life, I want to feel some calluses, and I can't because we're in water. Ugh, this sucks. That's why I have to watch TikTok <laughs> sometimes before I go to bed because my mind won't shut down. I'm like. You think a whale gets tired of fucking in water? Like, I don't know. I mean, as a human being, if I want to, like, get in a pool and go at it, like, I get to have that experience, but a whale never can. A whale can only fuck in water. How depressing is that? Like, oh, poor little whale guy. Like, let's get you, let's get two of you little guys on land and let you go at it. You know, maybe give you, like, a breathing apparatus so you can feel <laughs> what it's like. Others propose that... Uh, <laughs> The mind-boggling theory that these creatures are actual dinosaur survivors, which would require the climate in the Congo region to have remained unchanged for millions of years, or, I don't know, they possibly just could have fucking adapted, but whatever. And for these creatures to somehow have escaped extinction, predators, and even the notice of humans, it's like they've been playing hide-and-seek for eternity. But let's not forget about the people of the Lakua region. They hold Mukele, my bebe, in great fear and awe. (laughs) In fact, when an American traveler named Roy Nugent, I wonder if he's uh, related to Ted Nugent, I don't know, (laughs) caught a glimpse of what he thought might be the elusive monster from afar, his guides were so terrified that they pointed a shotgun at his head to prevent him from getting a close, Jesus Christ, a uh, close-up photograph. Yeah. Yikes. It is clear that superstition run deeps in in the region. 
but let's not underestimate the knowledge and sophistication of the locals. They have had exposure to Western powers during the colonial area, and there are even edu educational projects by missionary groups. Plus, with the country's growing wealth, people from the uh, interior now have access to modern uh, capitals with all the bells and whistles like television, libraries, and university. So the days of assuming that the locals are ignorant savages are long gone. Hey, that's fair to say, though. I like that because, I mean, I think we have a kind of an unfair picture painted about some of these people, you know, living in huts and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, here's a little something that might make you raise an eyebrow. Some monster hunting expeditions face suspicion and difficulty in obtaining information. They've resorted to handing out wads of cash. Can you believe that, Presto? Some skeptics argue that this has led the locals to tell visitors what they wanted to hear, undermining the credibility of the few eyewitness testimonies for Mokele and Bembe. Money talks, my friends, but it might not always speak the truth. And speaking of the truth, of physical evidence for the existence of these creatures is almost as scarce as a unicorn sighting. Wow, you guys like to use that, uh, that quote there, don't you? Mm -hmm. So while the oral accounts are fascinating, there's still a waiting game for concrete evidence. In conclusion, the search for Mokele, my baby, continues to captivate <laughs> the hearts and minds of adventurers and cryptozoologists alike. Whether these creatures are real dinosaurs or the stuff of jungle legends, one thing is for sure, the mystery and excitement surrounding them will keep us on the edge of our seats. Several thousand miles to the west, hidden within the impenetrable rainforest of South America, lies a treasure trove of mysterious creatures that could, even, uh, could give even the Loch Ness Monster a run for its money. Crypt Cryptozoologists, those brave souls who search for the elusive and fantastical, have stumbled upon accounts of otter-like beasts the size of small cars, armadillos that could double as basketball hoops, and even apes that make Bigfoot look like a mere chimpanzee. But hold on to your safari hats, because the real showstopper is yet to come. Enter Dr. David Oren, the fearless explorer of the Goliti Natural History Museum of Belem. I don't know. What do you What do you think? You think I nailed that one? Nine, nine out of ten, yeah. Nine out of ten. Fuck yeah, man. I like those odds. For the past two decades, <laughs> he has been on a wild goose uh, chase, or a rather monstrous beast chase, in pursuit of the legendary Mapiguin. This creature, whispered about the forest dweller of Mateo Grosso is said to be bigger and deadlier than anything else lurking in the shadows. While some cryptozoologists initially believed it to be an unknown ape, Dr. Oren has a different theory. He suspects that Mapiguin is a surviving giant ground sloth, a distant relative of the prehistoric, prehistoric Mylodon that supposedly went extinct around the time of Jesus. Damn. Now, I know what you're thinking, though. Sloths? Aren't these things slow-moving, tree-hugging herbivores? Well, think again, because according to the accounts of Dr. Oren, he's managed to gather the Mopinguin possesses a secret weapon that could make even the most ferocious predators cower in fear. Brace yourselves for this, folks. It has a scent-secreting gland in its belly, capable of emitting a stench so foul... It's earned the nickname, the Beast with the Breath of Hell, among the rainforest hunters. So move over, skunks. There's a new odor champion in town. 
Despite its pungent defense mechanism, the what'd you say it was called? Mopinguin. Ma I think Ma you penguin? had Mopinguin. Yeah. Yeah. Has managed to evade capture thus far. However, Doctor Oren has obtained some intriguing evidence in the form of hair feces that he believes belongs to this elusive creature. With a twinkle in his eye and a DNA testing kit in hand, he hopes that these samples will finally prove or provide enough proof to classify the Ma Pigwin and unveil its true identity to the world. I don't think he's done that yet, so probably still bullshit, but whatever. <coughs> Anyways, <laughs> prepare yourself, ladies and gentlemen, for a tale of epic proportions straight from the depths of the South American wilderness. We're talking about encounters with serpents so massive. So, fuck you, Florida. You, you know, second place over here. They make your average garden snake look like a measly earthworm. Buckle up, folks, because this is going to be one wild ride. So now we all know the Amazon is home to some pretty impressive creatures, but the anaconda might just take the cake when it comes to snakes. These semi-aquatic <laughs> reptiles, known for their river hunting skills, can grow up to a whopping 30 feet in length. But hold on to your hats, folks, because that's just the tip of the snake-shaped iceberg. There's rumors, legends even, of an unexplored area in Brazil and sometimes in Venezuela where these things slither and reach behemoth sizes that would make Godzilla himself tremble with fear. Now, I must admit it's not easy to accurately measure the size of living animals in the wild, especially when they're snakes. They coil. They undulate. They have a knack for making even the most seasoned explorer question their own eyesight. In fact, the untrained eye can exaggerate a snake's length by up to a whopping 100%. But fear not, my friends, for even if we discount uh, the reports of living giants, there are still cases of dead snakes that have been meticulously measured, revealing links that would make a tape measure blush. Enter legendary British explorer Percy Fawcett, who found himself face-to-face -face with one of these colossal serpents during an expedition in 1907. Fawcett's canoe drifting along the Rio Abuna, Abuena, deep in the heart of the Amazon jungle when suddenly a triangular head and several feet of undulating body emerged from the water. It was a giant anaconda, and Fawcett wasted no time in grabbing his trust, trusty rifle. With a shot that would make Annie Oakley proud, he sent a forty-four bolt straight into the snake's spine, causing a commotion that rocked the boat like it hit a hidden rock. When the Indian crew reluctantly steering towards the shore, Fawcett and his team cautiously approached the beast. But let me tell you, folks, this snake was not your average garden variety. No, sir. No, ma'am. It measured a jaw-dropping 45 feet out of the water, making uh, for a grand total of 62 feet in length. That's longer than your average school bus. And get this, the girth of this colossal creature was not uh, more than 12 inches. Oh. That's like yeah. That's that's a that's like a that's like a one footer there. Damn. <laughs> that'll that'll stretch out some stuff. Now, Fawcett, <laughs> being the brave explorer that he was, attempted to cut a piece of the snake's skin as a souvenir, but alas, the beast was far from dead. Let's just say that it wasn't too thrilled about being turned into a fashion accessory. The sudden movement and pungent odor emanating from the snake which we can only assume was its breath, left Fawcett and his crew feeling a bit queasy. They say the snake's breath had a stupefying effect, attract, uh, attracting and paralyzing its prey. 
Our fear, fearless explorer, Percy Fawcett, was no stranger to controversy. His reports of gigantic surface had skeptics uh, scratching their heads. And to make matters even more intriguing, he mysteriously disappeared during another ex- expedition uh, in 1925. Uh, so he was the, uh, uh, Sean, I don't know if you've read or uh, the tales of the uh, lost city of Z. Uh, that's that guy. Yeah, he, huh. he basically, you know, was like, I'm going to find this fucking lost civilization on this giant white pyramid in the Amazonian jungle, and uh, I'm going to take my son with me on the expedition and get everybody killed. Um, wasn't he supposed to be a Frenchman? I don't know. Percy Fawcett doesn't sound <laughs> French, dog. Sounds English. Oh, my bad, dude. I skipped ahead a little bit to uh, to <laughs> Sir J. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Bonacossi. <laughs> My bad, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. 1947 rolls around. Now we got our French uh-huh. guy, Sergei Bonacossi, a Frenchman with a taste for adventure. He joined an expedition to explore the middle Arguea River and make friends with the Chavante Indians. Little did he know he was about to encounter a slumbering anaconda that would leave even the bravest souls trembling. With a volley of rifle fire, the beast met its demise, and the measuring tape came out. Lo and behold, the anaconda measured between a jaw-dropping 72 and 75 feet. Now, mm-hmm. if they only had thought to snap a selfie and save this, uh, a snake bone for prosperity, talk about missed opportunities. And sir, mix a lot. Eat your heart out, man. Oof. Yeah. So let's talk about these photographs of uh, the making the rounds in the Brazilian newspapers. So picture this, a head-on shot of a supposed 130-foot-long boa constrictor near Manaus, a snapshot of a 100-foot-long corpse drifting down the river, a giant measuring 98 feet killed on the banks of the r- river Nirgo, and last but not least, a snake allegedly 115 feet long taken down by a machine gun um, in a ruined fort. Oh man, that sounds like mm. a really cool story. Like I can just imagine. Yeah. Like, they, it's like Jennifer Lawrence and Anaconda. They're on a riverboat, but they had like a mounted machine gun on top, and they're like, and just blew that <laughs> bitch apart. But you know, uh. yeah, sounds like something out of a B movie, doesn't it? It does. But alas, these photos lack a convincing indication of scale, leaving us wondering if they're just tales, tall tales, or the real deal. But let's not limit ourselves to the Amazon. The Australian outback, because fuck you guys and everything else that you have, has its fair <laughs> share of zoological wonders, too. Thylazines, unknown marsupials, tiger cats, 12-foot giant kangaroos. Fuck that. Monstrous monitor lizards up to 30 feet long. Nope. Crikey. That's a whole lot of creature feature right there. And uh, it seems like every unexplored wilderness on Earth has its own hidden treasures just waiting to be discovered. Damn, man. Yeah, yeah. like the spotted quoll. <laughs> Busting into your chicken coops. You know, I, I really appreciated Fallout 76 because it included tons of different um, cryptids and monsters and stuff like that. And one thing they included was the giant sloth. I remember coming in contact with a couple of those with you while we played that game and so, I mean, yeah, giant sloths have been around for quite a while as far as, you know, cryptid lore goes. But, well, hot damn, man. So, you're more Team uh, Mokele and Bimbe, my baby, than you are Loch Ness Monster, huh? Yeah, I am. 
The only weird thing to me is a lot of times where this thing's being cited, I don't know if you mentioned it in the story, I think we did, sometimes those waterways are only like three foot deep. So this thing being as big as it is, what are we assuming? Like its back is just an inch underneath the water and it's just kind of slithering down the channels? Yeah. Fair. I also like that picture that you painted of like, you know, this thing coming up out of the water and the water just rolling down its back and a sheet just dripping off of it, you know, like some kind of, you know, Fabio taking a bath in the rainforest. And really, so, you know, and the other thing to think about, too, is um, I guess if you if you're if you don't study like a lot of archaeology or you're kind of interested in that mm-hmm. subject. So archaeology is kind of like, you know, my other my other baby. Like, I, I really love like, you know, going on like YouTube and just watching like a two hour documentary on the history of, you know, whatever tribe, whatever civilization and, um, mm-hmm. you know, watching like people discovering these ancient ruins and temples and things like that so in modern archaeology like you know we try to use a lot of satellites um, so that we can get aerial views of stuff and even Mm -hmm. now like the amazon jungle that that jungle even if you think about like a square mile like if you were just to zoom in using a satellite on a square mile um, like in the desert, you could use a satellite and you could actually see the outlines of what buildings would be. You can see like 90 degree angles. You can see grid layouts. You can see where, you know, how the terrain once held structures and stuff. So it's very easy mm-hmm. to use uh, in like desert terrain to use satellites um, to help aid in archaeology. But once you get to the jungle, you think about what a square mile is. You can't see shit. The jungle basically basically swallows everything and when we when we think of africa like these aren't like the deserty part of africa like this is not the lion king you know where we're talking the safari like this is like the uh think the movie congo like where uh you know tim curry and the uh, the you know solomon's mines and the big thick jungles like this area is so compacted with forests that something this large could easily, even in a square mile, you you can you can't find it. And then mm-hmm, there's right. like the the terrain is so different in each part of that jungle. Like it's like marshy, it's rocky, it's so thick that you can't walk in it. And then you got fucking all these animals that are trying to kill you. Like you're not finding shit. In there, so the fact that they're like, I don't know, I don't think it could survive, and how can we never, how can we never find the body? It's a fucking mm-hmm. thick ass jungle. You ain't finding shit. Are you gonna let right. you go get like, I don't know, like a fucking Godzilla sized weed whacker and start chopping shit down? Like, I don't know, maybe then, but no, like it's it's elusive. You ain't gonna <laughs> find it. Right. Well, cool, buddy. I, uh, I'm sorry that we sat on that episode for so long, but I'm glad we finally got to scratch that itch, man. And then I got the the next chapter you told me to do. I haven't started yet. I don't <laughs> You're remember, fine. <laughs> I don't remember what it was about. Like, the title doesn't actually, I started reading it. I'm like, wait a minute, because it's called, like, The Reign of Frogs, and it's talking about, mm-hmm. like, wolf children and, like, you know, black-eyed kids and shit. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck does it have to do with... <coughs> fucking frogs like this yeah. makes no sense like where the wild things are makes sense because we're talking about being out yeah. in the jungles where the wild things are right and i'm like i don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. maybe he's gonna like surprise me halfway through and be like oh reign of frogs like frog people you know the, the you know the queen elizabeth is the reptilian like they got you <laughs> bud <laughs> yeah that's where it is <laughs> uh good stuff good stuff 
Oh, maybe not Queen Elizabeth anymore. Now it's like King Charles or whoever. Like he's a, he's an extra reptilian. Uh, she's a dead lizard. Um, Ouch. I was going to say, it's October, so it's high time we get back to the spooky shit. Getting ready for, you know, Halloween, the time when that liminal veil is the thinnest, coming up on Christmas and all that. So I'd like to kind of tease some stuff we have in some upcoming episodes. In the pipeline, we, of course, have more alien abduction stories, more ghost stories, I've been slowly um, simmering another late night episode. And for those of you who might not know what a late night episode is, um, it could be a lot of different things. Usually the undertone is things that are uh, overtly sexual that have to do with the paranormal. Um, Sometimes we read Bigfoot smut and gnome smut and Krampus smut. And sometimes we just talk about weird sexual encounters with, you know, celebrities and ghosts. But I've got a fun... Think of that scene when... uh... Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters getting an ethereal blowjob. Yeah, stuff like that. Exactly. Sometimes this involves Kesha. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I got another late night episode we might get to probably early November. I don't know if I have time to get to that this uh, this month or not. But we also have our 300th episode dropping, I believe, at the end of the month. So if you got your own spooky story you want to share with us, please send it over to us. Via email, if you'd like, we are pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. You can also send us a video, sorry, a voicemail. We do have a Google Voice number set up to receive calls. That phone number, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 913-662-3144. And, you know, you can slide into our DMs and our PMs and everything else. Just let us know, hey... Uh, use my first name or leave me completely anonymous. But I got about five stories so far. Some real batshit crazy stuff. Um, a few more people have promised to send in some stories as well. So if you guys got some stuff you want to throw in, we really would appreciate it. You got a couple more weeks because we probably won't record that episode till right around Halloween time. So if you got something fun, send it over to us. Also, um, Lazarus mentioned, I believe his granny told him a story about a flying dinosaur she saw when she was younger. So maybe we ought to hear about that one. Maybe that one should be sent in. That'd be fantastic. And Fire Pixie, I'm picking on you again. I know you got something spooky or something weird that's happened to you. So you got to send that shit in, my friend, please. I don't want to I don't want to make any promises or anything. So, you know, the wife and I were getting ready to go on our anniversary trip here in like two Mm -hmm. weeks. And her brother uh, was like, it's Halloween time, and y'all want to go do some spooky shit? And we're like, we're going to be in Texas. And he's like, really trying to find like an overnight investigation spot. And so he listed a couple places, and I called them. And they're like, joke's on you. We're booked up. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like That's not going to happen. And then he saved the day. He found this place right outside of Dallas um, that is like, you know that surrounding area's most haunted house um they allow overnight investigations say so you check in at 6 p.m you check out at 8 a.m uh you Mm -hmm. get to bring your own bedroll uh to sleep on the floor and you have the whole house to yourself it's like one of the eerie old mansions Uh, um i don't know shit may happen shit may not happen you know how the paranormal is sometimes you know yeah sometimes it's just buck wild yeah Alrighty. Well, folks, if you're on the old social media, please give us a follow on Instagram. We are at PXL Paranormal. We are fast encroaching that 1,000 follower mark. I would definitely love to hit that by the end of 
the month of October for Halloween. Uh, so far, we're at 985, so we're slowly catching up. Um, on Facebook, we are The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Preston, what do you got for me, pal? 277 on YouTube, so we gained one since last time. Hot so. damn. Hot yeah, two seventy six, moving the needle, you know, bit by bit. So look, if you're uh, watching us on YouTube, you like the content. Uh, that green little Bigfoot come splurt down at the bottom of the screen says like and subscribe. You should probably follow those directions and like and subscribe and share <laughs> with all your friends. Uh, we're still at like only ten followers on Rumble, but uh, we're getting the fucking views on Rumble, and uh, people are liking it. They're just not following the fucking directions and liking and subscribing. But, uh, you know, that's okay. So, we're getting yeah. there. You know? Sometimes folks like to just be little voyeurs. You know, not commit to anything and just show up. I'm kind of that way, too. I'm kind of a free agent yeah. when it comes to those things, too. So, I Look, know back when we were doing the beard circuits, a lot of people were like, Hey, you guys want to join this beard club and that beard club? And we were both kind of like, we're just going to show up and like promote the podcast and raise money and then kind of sneak out the back door. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're watching it and you're enjoying it, it's cool. I don't really care. It's not monetized anyway, so it's not like we're gaining anything from it. I just like to yeah. feel like you're showing us love when you like and subscribe. Like, I like you guys so much, mm-hmm. I'm going to like and subscribe so I can get all the notifications on when you motherfuckers are live. But that's cool. <laughs> Let's go. Yep. You know. Look, and if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a beard, See, here's the problem. If you don't have a beard or if your beard is all, like, gangly and gross, you probably don't have anybody late at night in the wee hours when you're supposed to be making romantic time grab you by the face and slowly pull you in and say, Mpele, my baby, all sexy-like. And if you want that to happen, the only way no. is to slather a little bit of BigDobsBeardBomb.com in your beard. He's got scents like Bay Rum. Fresh, citrus, mint, classic, and sweet tobacco. And because we love Dobbs, and Dobbs loves us, he even gave us a promo code so you can get 20% off your order. P-X-L-P-A-R-A gets you 20% off your order. And you can put that shit in your beard, and it'll be smooth. It'll smell good. And let me tell you what, fellas, the ladies will grab you by the face and say, Mmm, Mkele, my baby. And the magic (laughs) will happen. It will. Trust me. Get it all. Uh, Get it adopts. I love how you just grab a hold of it and just spin it around. Yeah. You know, just spin it right <laughs> around. Yeah, I can appreciate that. <laughs> if you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our friend Leslie and the rest of the gang over at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. Also, if you're looking for a nice little bite to eat, check out our friends over at the Paranormal Egg Experience food truck and also check out paranormal.cafe. All right, with that being said, I'm going to raise a little bit of this um, pretzel day stout I got from 903 Brewing, and I'm going to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown, Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.